Good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. Thanks for joining us online or in the room today. My name is Ross. I'm the senior pastor here and very excited to be with you as we jump into the Bible, God's Word. And today we get to open a new series um, on prayer called Amen. And I wanted to start with a story today, if that's all right. Can we get, can we go there first? Yeah. Okay. Sure. You're like, do I have a choice? I guess maybe not. It's in my notes. I have to do it now. Okay. No. Anyways, here we go. Around the 1950s, professional golfer Tommy Boltz was playing in a tournament in Los Angeles and had a caddy with this reputation of being a constant chatter. And so Tommy, thinking, I don't want this person to be constantly chatting with me. And if you don't know, a caddy is a person who's partnered with a professional golfer to help them along the way, getting clubs, carrying their clubs, any drinks, anything they need, and just kind of support them along their path and, and help them out. So a major support. So through this, he's like, I don't want to talk to him. So, so tell me about what he does. He said, don't say a word to me, to this caddy. And if I ask you for something, just answer yes or no. Okay. So during the round, Bolt found a ball next to a tree. He got down on his knees, looked through the trees, sized up the shot, looked to his caddy and said, what do you think? Five iron? To where his caddy said, no, Mr. Bolt. What do you mean not a five iron? Bolt snorted, said, watch this. Grabbing the five iron, teed up not teed up, but set up the shot, hit it, and it fell within two feet of the hole. As he turned back and said, see? See that? Turned to his caddy, handed him that five iron, and in that process said, now what do you think about it? Go ahead, you can talk now. The caddy responded and said, no, Mr. Bolt, that wasn't your ball. <laughs> Through this process, we recognize really quickly that communication is very important. Communication is so important. If we think about it, our relationships, the marriages we are in, the friendships we have, everywhere we turn, we need communication. In our home lives with our kids, we are, we are begging, fighting for clear communication. Even you students or kids at school, you're under a school program in which communicates educational resources to you. Communication and clear communication at school is very important. That means you got to be a good listener. You got to tune in, lean in. Communication is both sent and received. It's both between us and each other. It's wildly important. And even so much so that students and kids in the room today, they're learning to communicate on all these different resource social medias, right? You know, the snap this, snap that, Instagram, bamboozle, whatever they're called now. They're learning to communicate on these tools with their friends because communication is vitally important to our lives. And you think like, Ross, what is the point with that in prayer? Well, if we think about it, as we're starting this series on prayer, we're recognizing that prayer, by definition, is personal communication with God. And if we recognize prayer, like communication is very important, we must then take a step to understand that prayer and communicating with God must be just as important. Actually, a vital part of our lives in which we must step into, which we must grow into, and that is the whole point of our series. Over the next six weeks, we're going to dive in to even more. But even this morning, we saw te a testimony, a, a public proclamation through baptism of, of people who actually, well before this moment, started in a moment of prayer, communicating with God, actually uh, sitting with God and praying a prayer of salvation, surrendering their lives to Jesus, acknowledging their great sin and how Jesus paid that great debt. And yet it wasn't baptism that saved them. It was their faith through prayer before. 
that began that journey. And this was that public proclamation. See, we saw a moment where prayer, communication with God, was vitally important. And if you're in the room and you know Jesus, you're following after him. You've recognized that time in which you started by a petition of prayer for your life. An acceptance of a gift in Christ that gives you eternity to be, but also an everyday obedient walk to follow. You, if you're following Jesus, have recognized this vital part. But prayer for many of us, even if we follow Christ, unfortunately prayer, in the very sense, is something we know we should, but often don't. Prayer is something we we know we should, but often don't. And D.A. Carson writes this. He's a professor at Trinity. He says this, Where is our delight in praying? Where is our sense that we are meeting with a living God, that we are undertaking work, that he has a sign that we are interceding with general unction before the throne of grace? And in the Bible, we see that consistent theme of expected prayer from God. He is a God in which he expects us to come to him, expects us to communicate with him, expects us to bring him our greatest needs and even deepest desires. We know this in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's every situation, good or bad, positive or negative, encouraging or not. In every situation, present your request to him. Now, I am totally echoing up here, Mark. I'm sorry. It's like just getting to me. I don't know if anyone else can hear that, but I just hear. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't know, Mark. It's probably my voice. Maybe I'm just more voicey this service. I don't know. But I just hear. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, but in that, in prayer, growing not to be anxious, going to him with everything by prayer and petition. And yet we're not called to go with lack of confidence. We're not called to go as ones who are uncertain, but yet with boldness. And we're reminded in Hebrews 4, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find his grace to help us in our time of need. So yet not only are we expected to go after God with our prayers, that, that we are desired to from God's behalf, but yet we come with boldness. But in our lives, prayer is something we know we should, but often don't. And, and if we think about our lives real quick, like maybe it's just me, we encounter many of those things in our everyday too. Things we know we should, but we often don't. Like brushing our teeth twice a day. You know what I'm saying? We know we should, but we often don't. And now you're looking at your neighbor like, did you at all this year? I mean, I don't know. Right? Here you go, parents. Here's your time. Get into that. Hey, you got to brush your teeth. The pastor said something. No, I'm just kidding. What about like eating broccoli or eating healthy food? Something that we know we should, but we may often do not do it. What about exercise? It's what we all know we should, but we don't often. It seems to be part of our nature, our human nature, to not do things we know we should, to to know we should do things and don't do them often. And yet here's where Jesus meets us with an invitation of greater prayer, with a direction in which we see through his teaching a way to pray. Like our relationships we have in this room and at home, if you're at home online, you have that relationship, you're sitting with someone maybe or in your home. Like those relationships that are vitally, importantly connected through communication. 
so is your relationship with God. He, he wants us to grow in greater uh, connection with him throughout our lives and greater unity with him and, and, and proximity with him. And prayer is our way to go about it. When I speak of, of prayer and I speak to many people about maybe um, how, how they feel about prayer, what they're thinking about prayer, the reasons they don't pray like vary greatly across the board, uh, various different reasons. But the root of many comes down to this one truth is that they just may not know how to pray, not know exactly what to say, unsure about what to pray for, maybe bored of praying and everything else, all coming down to that uncertainty of how should we pray. So as we jump into this prayer series, we're going to see a moment in which Jesus teaches us to pray. And each and every week after this morning, we're going to dive deeper into understanding a peace and place in which Jesus invites us to pray, uh, rooted in this morning and in God's word in Matthew 6. And so we're going to go into Matthew 6 in a moment, but I want to show you five areas that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. So turn with me to Matthew 6, verse 9. Uh, we'll go 9 through 13, and this is a section of the Sermon on the Mount, and we did just finish that series. Don't worry. You know, you're like, yeah, it's done. We're starting a brand new series, but focused on prayer, so we're not going back to the Sermon on the Mount, but we're taking a section of it and digging a bit deeper regarding prayer. And we're going to see how Jesus teaches us to pray here in a moment. So as you turn your Bibles, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, follow along with me. It'll be on the screen too. It's really vitally important that you see the words for yourself. Because if you don't, you may walk away and say, that's just what that guy said. This is what Jesus is saying to us, what God's word, the Bible is directing in us in a way to pray. And it says this, Matthew 6, 9 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're going to pause and pray just right now for our time in God's word. So Heavenly Father, we ask that you would guide us, that your voice by your Holy Spirit would direct us, and that, Father, we would grow insight and knowledge, but also deep desire to, to, to pray, to communicate with you in our everyday. So God, help us see what you taught. Help illuminate to us the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says, Matthew 6, beginning, this then is how you should pray. He starts with his intention. Now, this is very important because if we uh, think too hard, we might wonder if Jesus is delivering this as a word-for-word -word formula, and he's not. He's saying, this is how you should pray. These are, should be the desires of your heart when you come to me to communicate. He did not say, this is the exact way in which you must pray. He didn't say, this is the formula in which I hear your prayers. He says, this is how you should pray. This is the way in which you should go to connect with me greatly in communication with me as your loving God. So he begins that by his intention and then starts with number one, adoration. If you're following along, I have a blank for you. Adoration, deep love and respect for God, a source of our worship. The continuing of Matthew 6, 9 is in this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is teaching us a way to pray in which recognizes him as our heavenly father, one who is hallowed, which, which is mean oh, deepest honor and respect is deserved to. The, the one and true God who created all we know to be, but also me and you, he is directing us, teaching us. Jesus 
to begin our prayers in this way. And we think of how, how really beautiful this is, if you think of it, when we state God as our Father. And oftentimes we wonder, well, what's the big difference here, Ross? Well, uh, yeah, let me get to it. The, the, the point is, like, when we start stating God as our Father, there's a unique, more closeness to that reality of Him as our Father than sometimes we may fail to forget this, He's not this distant God. That He's not someone who may be there. Someone who is like this God somewhere in the sky or somewhere around me. But yet this intention with Heavenly Father shows us, like the fathers we have here on earth who mimic our Heavenly Father, or maybe you grew up in a situation where your earthly father was not too good, and I'm sorry. But what they should mimic, fathers here on earth too, is one who loves and cares and tends to his family, fights for what is right and brings protection and guidance, provision, and much more. Dads are so important. We know it. And so in turn, we then start with our heavenly father, who is greater than any earthly dad we could have, greater than that, a God who creates, the one who sustains, and yet Jesus is teaching us a way to come to him as such, our heavenly father, a father who cares, who is close, a creator who's near. And this puts us in a position to acknowledge our relationship of closeness with a God who cares, who is near, who is loving deeply and guiding. When our prayers include adoration, we grow in relationship with God by acknowledging who he is and how close he is to us. Number two is this submission, complete surrender of our lives to God's will. Let's go to Matthew 6.10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us to pray prayers which start with God's will, not our very own. Man, and this, you might be thinking, this can be hard. We begin to think of, wait a second, I can't just get what I want. Wait a second, it's not all about me. God says, I love you, I care for you, but yet I call you to be all about me, your father. And so this prayer of submission helps direct our prayers and helps us recognize that our prayers aren't, don't exist to convince God for what we want to hopefully get them on our side of the table. Hey, God, you know, I really need this. You know, you see it. I really want this. Wouldn't it be so great? All this kind of stuff. But yet in the art of submitting to our Heavenly Father, we position ourselves in a place where God is intended to be. As one who leads and guides and directs our path, as we're in full surrender, submission to His. Where we're supposed to be. When our prayers include submission, we obediently seek God's will for our very own lives and choose to take part in what he's called us to and not stray away. Complete surrender in our prayers. Number three is dependence. Reliance on God in all aspects of our lives. Matthew 6, 11, a very short sentence and verse and which illuminates a profound reality to our prayers. It says this, and give us today our daily bread. And now we see through the entire part of the prayer in which consistency Jesus is inviting us into to pray. What does it say? Daily, right? If we were to pray this prayer and pray it out of context, God, give me what I need today, but we didn't yesterday. Well, we, we missed a day, right? Jesus is inviting and teaching and, and, and directing us to pray daily for the very needs we have at hand. Nothing too small or too big. 
And yet we know our needs vary greatly than not only food, the things we wear, the, the, the things we, we own or our need to own, to, to commute, whatever it might be. Our needs vary greatly. And yet God invites us, Jesus is telling us, teaching us, come to me with your daily need. Come to me in consistency. Come to me regardless of the varying degree for all your needs. For he is a God who wants to hear them, but also deliver them to you. So give us today our daily bread we seek in a prayer of dependence on God. Because when we include dependence in our prayers, we look to God for everything in our lives. We depend on him for the very source of our foundational lives, to the very deliverance from a situation or, or the greatest need financially, whatever it might be. We turn to him and look to him in dependence. I remember that a few weeks ago now, we talked through that idea of how as adults, we, are, we, we grow up in this world and we grow up to be more independent, which is beautiful and good. God designed it that way, to be independently married and creating your own family, all that kind of stuff. And, and to be independent and grow up and move out of the house. You're welcome, parents. There you go. All that kind of stuff. But through this process, it's actually pretty opposite when we think of our spiritual lives. See, and once we were separated by our great sin and we accept Christ as our Savior— we actually grow from independently living without him to greater dependence in him for everything. And yet we maybe fail to recognize that God wouldn't call you to do something that wouldn't require dependence on him for it. That it's solely us depending on him in everything that he calls us to. And out of that, he wants to do good works through us. It's not a call and command to say, hey, go just do your best of your life and hopefully you're in step with me. It's, hey, depend on me for everything, and I'll make your path straight. Depend on me in all things, and I will do what I've called you to do through you. Dependence is key in our prayers, is important in our profession of our faith, in our daily walk. Because when we include dependence, we look to God for everything in our lives. Everything. Number four is confession. Admitting our sins to God. It says this in Matthew 6, 12, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And here, Jesus models that we must regularly confess our sins and ask God to forgive us. And this can kind of get us twisted a bit because we feel like, oh, well, then did God not forgive us at one time? We got to continue to ask. No, by no means, that's not the position of Jesus teaching us here. But when we experience his forgiveness, it's for a lifetime to come. He not only pays for the debt before, but the debt to come, he has covered it all in his blood. He, he, it's on it. But through our life, we're, we're called to pursue greater righteousness in him, flee from sin. And yet when we mess up, he offers forgiveness. But yet this turn in prayer is a little different than what we, what we, we might, might think. Sorry, what we might think it does for us. Because as we turn to God in our sinful patterns and ask for forgiveness and acknowledge our wrongs, something really unique happens. Because we're acting on what's called humility. And when we act on humility before God, humble ourselves to acknowledge our wrongs and even ask him for forgiveness, acknowledging that he gives it. The reality is we grow through humility and greater intimacy. And so think of it in your marriages, if you're married and your friendships, uh, specifically for me and my daughter, Della, she's three and a half. When, when I do something wrong in my marriage, okay, maybe I overreacted and hurt, you know, my wife was hurt from that. Maybe it was 
uh, some situation where I promised something and I didn't deliver, I didn't, I failed to follow through, whatever it might be, the act of me going to her and apologizing for my wrong and acknowledging it and asking for forgiveness, which if I think about it, like I love my wife so dearly, I know she's willing to forgive me, right? But the act of doing that, what it does is it takes uh, uh, some brokenness in our relationship, builds greater intimacy through my humility, and connects us greater. Think of it the same as my daughter, Della. Uh, I may promise her to do, we're going to do something and I forget. I may, um, uh, you know, really discipline her in a harsh way and it, it's maybe too harsh and I need to take a step back. And I say, hey, maybe, you know, I'm so sorry. She's broken up. She's hurting. She's, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I did so. I did this wrong. Would you forgive me? Now she's still learning what forgiveness really is because every other day she'll tell me, remember what you did wrong the other day, you know? I'm like, you know, it's like forgive and forget. We need to work on the forget, baby. Let's go, you know? Uh, but it's all good. All in that though, what's built there is from division to intimacy and unity between us. All sparked by my willingness of humility and stepping in to ask for forgiveness and to be forgiven. See, Jesus in the same way is, is teaching us in confession, admitting our sins to God, saying, I'm sorry, not only builds greater intimacy between us and our Heavenly Father, but it also helps us latch on to his grace, understandingly so, for he says you're forgiven, for now and forever so. But our heart and intimacy with him must be in our prayers. Because when our prayers include confession, we let go of the sin which binds us and grab hold of the forgiveness that sets us free in Christ. We grow in intimacy with God when we come with confession. And we're open and humble and, and real about the sins we face before an almighty holy God, who certainly forgives us, but calls us, teaches us to go to him and confess. Number five is protection. Matthew 6, 13, God's divine care, direction, intervention in our lives. And it says this in Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here isn't a statement that God would, would lead us into evil. And I know the sentence structure might confuse us sometimes to think like, well, does that mean God would lead us into evil? That would be like lead us to sin. No, 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 that's not, that's not part of his character. He wouldn't do that. Um, and so in this context, what it means to lead us not into temptation um, you think of it like directing our paths to flee from sin better and to lead us, God, in a way that's far from our temptations, that's far from what we so struggle with, that you know that, that I submit to you, but far from those things, God, I want to be led by you to greater life, to greater, greater truth in you, to, to the hope that I have in you. I want to be led that way. And we think of it, maybe an illustration like this, say you have a friend, uh, who is deeply addicted to cookies. Okay. And they've confided in you, all right? They're like, hey, I'm addicted to cookies. I'm coming. I'm just telling you, all right? And maybe you're looking at each other like, that's you. You should probably come out and confess right now, you know? Uh, we'll do that after the service today. You can come tell me, all right? But either way, say you have a friend like that. It would be unwise of you as a good friend who's trying to help, help your friend out with their addiction to cookies to have a dinner one night and be like, hey, come on over. And the only thing available to eat is cookies. You know what I'm saying? He'd be like, what are you trying to do to me? You know, this is terrible. Even more so, say you're out and about grocery shopping together. It wouldn't be wise of you to say, hey, 
we're going to cut through the cookie aisle and hopefully get to, you know, the healthy side of the food. Cause you know, you're going to lose them in the first few moments and they might be eating the cookies in the aisle, you know, like all that weird stuff happens, you know? And so the lead us not into temptation isn't the fact that God would greater lead us into sin and hope we figure it out, but that we are, we are, we are in, in plan of protection, uh, petitioning before God, lead us into ways that are righteous like yours. God, show us the path in which I must walk to be like you. God, help me direct my path. Show me the way in which leads not into temptation, but far. What does the passage say? Deliver us from the evil one. Far from Satan's schemes and the works of the devil. Far from that. Lead me further and closer to you. This prayer of protection is vital in our prayer life. Because often we get stuck in maybe alcoholism. And we find ourselves getting drunk when we know we're called not to. And yet we continue to walk in that bar. And as we pray, Lord, would you protect me? Lead me not into temptation. He begins to convict you that that's not the place you should be in the first place. But they're friends and they're cool. Yeah, if they're such good friends, they'll meet you outside of there for they care. And this reality shift for even those of us who struggle with what we look at, pornography and sexual temptation, lust, And yet those magazines that come in the mail, we recognize, man, this is leading me down a path of temptation I cannot partake in. It's a random magazine, not even aimed to do that, but I can't have it in my house. The prayer of protection would lead us to greater conviction in our everyday decisions as we follow Christ. That man, God, you're you're right. I I struggle with this. I cannot partake in that. When our prayers include protection, we experience God's loving direction in our lives and actively flee from sinful ways. We actively step out of the ways in which we are entrenched in by his delivering, by his direction, by his loving care. So God, lead us not into temptation, for we would want to be like you. And we see as Jesus teaches us how to pray, And they greatly build on one another. We're recognizing, again, this isn't a formula that he says, pray like exactly like this or I won't hear you. But he's saying there's a deeper depth to your prayers in which I'm calling you to. There's a deeper acknowledgement of where you're at that I'm inviting you to. Because like communication between each other is healthy for us to grow in unity. God knows deeply communication between us and him must go greatly for us to grow in greater unity. So we might be thinking, we're just opening up this series week by week. We'll be diving into each section and getting deeper on what is adoration, what is submission, how, how do we build our prayers around those things and incorporate them in our everyday. I actually want to give you a next step today as we dive in over this next six weeks, today including one of the weeks, so next five weeks. I want to invite you into something really important, and it's this. Even though we may want to pray, we probably fail to plan to. And so prayer, you, you are wanting to take a step in growing in prayer this week. Here's what I want you to do. You can take out a pen or a piece of paper if you have it on your phone. Look at your calendar. If you have our notes, at the very bottom of the notes there, you can start pinning it in. Here's the deal with me. Like if it's not on my calendar, I, I do not do it. I like put, like go to sleep, like stuff like that. Like I, I'm just that type of person. Maybe you're not and that's totally cool. Maybe you write on your hand, all good. But all in all, if we fail to plan, we may not pray. So what I want you to do, morning, just kind of chunk out your day, morning, afternoon, evening. Those are the general ideas of the day. You can make up your own terms for yourself. 
In each section, I want you to plan and block off some time to pray. Put an actual time, though, of the day. You can put minutes or something if you need to figure it out later, but put a time of the day. So for the morning, before you go to work or school, where in your morning could you stop and intentionally pray? Now, now hear me. This is going to take some sacrifice from that routine of it, okay? But that's your step in growing in a greater way to pray. It's going to take a minute to be like, hey, so I can't drink coffee for this long because I'm recognizing it's too long. You know, it's okay. But what's some time frame you can pray in the morning before you go off in your day and ask God to protect you, to guide you? Ask in his holy heavenly name, God, would you re- help me recognize you're near and you're loving? Would you direct me? Can I submit my day to you? All of that, whatever, however you'd like to pray. In the afternoon, say around your lunchtime, block off some more time and choose, hey, okay, hey, after that lunch, or I always have that meeting these days, after that meeting, maybe before that meeting, I don't know how stressful your work environment is. Maybe you're like, before this meeting, God, I need like three hours with you. And that, you know, we should talk about your job. If, that, if that's the case every day, we should figure it out. But either way, you're going to plan some time to pray in the middle of your day in the afternoon. What about in the evening? Um, I am in a situation where I have young kids at home and the youngest is eight weeks old. I am begging God to give me sleep. You know, like God, please deliver sleep to our house. She's just getting up all sorts of time at night and all that kind of stuff. So, but, but for your evenings, may look different. Before you go to bed, you reflect on the day that, that was had. And you sit with God and just pray. God, thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've given today. Would you protect my sleep? I'm praying that. That's my prayer. Would you give me the sleep? God, I need it. You know, I feel like God laughs at me sometimes. He's like, you don't really need all that sleep, Ross, 10 hours. You know, I'm like, it's just 10 hours, God. Like, that's all I need. Maybe a few hours. God, would you help me? Um... Let go of that thing that happened today. Would you help me step into forgiveness as I wake up tomorrow? There's this person at work. I need to figure that out. God, maybe would you help me step into forgiveness before bed with my spouse, with my kids? And see how the Lord shows up. I believe as we grow deeper into prayer and recognizing the ways in which we are taught to pray by Jesus, we recognize the greater unity it brings us to a really holy, good God who desires that relationship with you who we see mimicked in the lives of life of Jesus, a relationship between Jesus and the Heavenly Father for you in his days to come, in Jesus' life, but in our days too, we're invited to pray. So will you? We're going to close in prayer now. Do you want to bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We praise you for all that you're doing in our lives. And God, I ask that you would help us submit our ways to you. Would you help us acknowledge your will for our life and step into it confidently? Would you help us come to you dependently in all ways? God, would you help us come to you in confession, acknowledging our sin before you and our humility grow greater intimacy with you? God, would you protect us this week and protect those times, Heavenly Father, with the moments we've intentionally set aside to pray with you. Jesus, thank you so much for delivering to us not a formula in which we must say word for word, but an invitation to to recognize, to connect with a personal God who knows us in and out and invites us to communicate with him. God, we love you and trust you and give the rest of this morning to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.